Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another information-packed episode on Ready, Set, Real Estate. Woohoo! I am so happy to talk about today's uh, topic because I, you can say I guessed it. Before I jump into that, we are in episode 151. Make sure you subscribe on all our available platforms, wherever is your favorite. So that's either LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. On the YouTube, we replay on Instagram and we repurpose on radio podcasts everywhere. My name's Lisa Gillette. I'm your host and creator of Ready, Set, Real Estate. I'm an active licensed California real estate broker, so I get to give you all the real inside scoops, including the raw and uncut and very flawed aspect of the real estate business. Um, so today's episode, we're going to jump into it, this this topic. So 80%, I was reading, 80% of millennials regret the pandemic-induced purchase. So you know how I feel about that. Is It's one of those, I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so kind of thing. Is because everybody was getting all excited and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I remember having to let a lot of my clients know, sit this one out. There's some things you just don't want to waive, and we're going to talk about that. But before I jump into that, let's cover some, uh, let's recap and let's cover what's to come. So I've been thinking, I've been thinking, we are going to talk about living trust. And I'm going to do this in, as a class session. And the reason being is because I am seeing too many probates hit the market. I have about four properties that are off market right now that are sitting in court due to probate. So we've got to do something about this. We have got to do something about this. We've got to become the change we want to see. So let's first address that. Um, of course, if you are on live, press one. Let me know you're here. Drop your comment. Say hi. Say hello. Press two. Let's two. Let's me know you shared it. And of course, make sure you are either hashtagging replay so I know that you are tuning in after we've gone live. And of course, if there are any questions that are real estate related, of course, you can reach out to your girl, right? You can send me a message. Uh, for our radio podcast listeners, of course, my number is 323-488-3265. Again, you can call or text. That's 323-488-3265. And that's my direct number. Let me just go ahead and post that here real quick. Of course, don't call me while I'm on the show, right? <laughs> don't do any live chats because then uh, I'm not going to answer and what else what else is coming so we're definitely going to do that so february we will uh finish up february with a class and we're going to talk about living trust because it's just there's just way too much happening out here and we've got to do we've got to do, do better we've got to do better um also just as an added bonus and a tip if you haven't checked your credit report for this year you do know you have access to get your credit report for free. For free. How much? Free 99 at annual This is the only federally mandated website where you can access all three of your credit reports from Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion for free. So make sure you go and check that. I definitely have alerts on there for myself. 
um, because there are a lot of things happening. People are, you know, people, you know, this is the web. There's the dark web and people are taking your information. Hello, Kelly boy in the business. He says, hello, my friend, do your thing. Absolutely. Still out here doing my things. Great seeing you. Um, and so make sure you check your credit report so that you are keeping it up to date because you really, in, on, in all honesty, you never know when you're going to need it unless you are very goal driven and you are planning, you're properly planning to either purchase or finance something. Okay. What else? Um, I'm going through my checklist of announcements. Of course, before I jump into that, let's do a quick pause and say thank you uh, today's sponsor is uh, Real Estate 100, the Teen and Millennial Investment Blueprint. See, some of y'all should have bought this book before you jumped in here because now 82% of you are regretting uh, buying your new home. So it looks like you should have you should have copped your copy <laughs> about the uh, investment blueprint because most people don't tell you factoring 5% annually of your purchase price for budgeting, maintenance, those capital expenditures, like what if your roof goes out? You know, what if the plumbing goes out? Oh my God, the electrical is shot. Oh my goodness, foundation. You got to budget for this because guess what? In the arena of homeownership, when something goes out, normally you pick up the phone and you say, hey, landlord, right? But on the other side, you answer. He says, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I need you to fix something. Okay, I'm coming right over. So make sure you are budgeting. And that's kind of some of these um, these regrets that are happening is because the bidding wars allow, or I would say force people to max their budgets and their savings to get into a property. But then there's the aspect of the maintenance, right? So you know here on, uh, on Ready, Set, Real Estate, we encourage home ownership, of course, but home retention home retention there is a difference i have to make sure i do a, a whole separate video so i want to do a quick sponsor break and we'll be right back and we'll jump right into today's segment shout out Anthony Lee co-author is doing really well out there in Philly doing lots of uh, events workshops and webinars so kudos to Anthony uh, also co-author of ready uh, excuse me real estate 100 the teen and investment the millennial gosh teen and I got it in front of me teen and millennial investment blueprint it's because I because we have the part one which is the teen aspect right the teen home buying experience which is part one then this was the spin-off part two and then uh, we're doing going to release part three this summer which is the Tina Millennial land developer because I see land development is now going to be more popular as resale purchases and new construction tends you know is is really challenging all right so how did we get here right so how do we get here to this pandemic induced housing boom very easily if you were in it 
you saw that interest rates have been historically low. And you have to put it in context when you say historically low. What does that mean? Because back in the day, as I look at some of my clients who are downsizing, they're transitioning, meaning they've passed on, they've died, they're deceased. Um, they're, they're doing communal living, meaning they are moving in with family. What we've seen when they purchase interest rates were 12, 13%, something crazy. And their purchase prices were like 16,000 and 33,000. Imagine financing a property at a 12%, 13% interest rate. Woo! Today we call that hard money loans. Get it? But don't boom. <laughs> Those are hard money loans today, and right? All that private loan. But over time, over we've seen the last 40 years, right? That's 10. That's four decades and some is we've seen interest rates historically come down. And then we saw the big churning of the loan machine, right? The big churning of, of selling notes, creating mortgages, selling notes and so forth. And so what we've seen is interest rates have been low. And for the first time in what, two years and some change, actually longer, interest rates now officially have a four percent in front of them and in front of it and some people must may be like oh my gosh interest rates are so high but remember a couple years ago interest rates were five percent six percent i still consult those clients when i check in and i see they have a 4.5.25 a six percent interest rate some of them at that time that was great remember interest rates are relative to the time what was going during that time this time, as we were talking about during this pandemic period, what also kind of induced this bust for, I wouldn't say bust, we haven't, we're, we're not there. Scratch that thought. It didn't slip out of my mouth. <laughs> this boom is that we had the COVID-19 emergency mortgage forbearance. So essentially we had a period, I believe it's been like 18 months where homeowners did not, there was a freeze right on those, on those mortgages. There was a freeze and there was no penalty for not being able to make those mortgages. In fact, it wasn't until last October, 2021, did homeowners then now have to resume payments, which means those mortgage companies, those who were in default would start reporting default, right? Past due if you were past due. What else was happening? Then we had work from home, very popular, because now we had people, we just found out in the industries or some industries, people didn't actually have to come into work. Go figure, you mean that I can still be productive, I can still do, if not be more productive is what studies were finding. People were more productive because now they had the flexibility and the time, they didn't have to sit in traffic for many hours. So now you had people that can now work from home, essentially work from anywhere. And now we had a population of people that were now moving out to states where they could uh, realize the American dream of home ownership and not be tied close to being near the city or near work, having to commute, you know, uh, distances. Instead, guess what? They were commuting via Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. And then to make matters uh, strenuous, I'm not going to say worse because I think it's great. And we knew this was coming. And when I say we, all of us in the real estate industry, all of us in the marketing industry, all of the, all of us in the advertising industry, all of us in the sales industry, we knew this next pop was coming. And what was that? That the millennials were aging up. 
right? So these are 25 to 40 year olds who are stepping up. They are in the adulting and now they are aging into home ownership. And if you think that's something, wait till Gen Z comes out because they're just as many as there there there's 77 excuse me 77 million baby boomers there are about 82 to 92 millennials and about 108 to 116 gen zers right generation z and that's there were enough millennials to have enough children right and that's what's happened even if one millennial had one kid uh, there were enough of us to have children that is going to spawn another revolution. And uh, I like to look at Gen Z as our baby geniuses because they're finding ways, all kinds of creative ways to do things more smart, more efficient, more effective. And I really love watching this generation. Not to say that I don't enjoy my own generation because there, there's definitely different uh, schools of thoughts and behaviors when it comes to millennials. And um, of course, Gen Xers right now are carrying the load and burden of the millennial generation and of course their older gen uh, generation before them, which is the baby boomer. So they're, they're having that tough time where this is why I said I want to do the class on um, living trusts to talk about probates and just kind of strategizing because that generation, which is the Gen Xers, right, Generation X, is carrying the burden of, of the children and their parents. So I've got to come on and show some love to that generation. So now we have this, right? So now you've got all these variables. It's almost like this boiling pot of something exciting to happen. And absolutely, what happened next? This outrageous bidding war. And I have to, I have to share this video. I absolutely love this meme that's been going on and it's perfect this got 10 million hits is that apple for sale uh yeah we're about to put it on sale right now actually well i'm in the market so tell me about your apple why should i buy it <laughs> nice try okay people here's how this is going to work i have an apple here the highest bidder's going home with this i want all bids in in the next two minutes then we're closing it bidding starts at five dollars feeling pretty confident there huh i mean ten dollars he said starting at five fifteen is this a new apple yeah just listed i'm pre-qualified i'll pay cash i got cash 20 uh, 30 40 no, no just make it 45. is it even worth that 50. I don't know. Please, this is the eighth apple I've tried to buy. Could I at least see it up close? Uh, nope, it's an apple. You know what it is. You either want it or you don't. I'll take it for 100. What? I'm from California. It's the cheapest apple I've ever seen. 120. Why did I do that? Why did I? I don't, I don't Excuse me. Love it. Love it. Right. So how many of those, how many of you saw that meme? I watched that over and over. I don't know how many times. And it it is so on point because that's what happened, right? You had buyers that were jumping into these bidding boards and overbidding. I mean, easily pricing went from a 10000 overbid to 30000 to 50000 to 100000 And you're like, what? Huh? Right? And it's so funny because he talks about California. I'm in California. And when I say I'm an active real estate professional, I'm 10 toes to the concrete and seeing it in real time what this bidding war has been like. In fact, I remember one of my first clients, this was 2020, and this was August 2020, and she was one of, in that generation, of course, as well, 
and one of my first clients, and I would say she was one of the pioneers of this overbidding movement, we submitted an offer on her house that was listed for 500000 And what she says, after looking at the two previous properties and got outbid, she said, you know what, I'm just going to come out swinging. And sure enough, when we wrote the offer, she said, let's go ahead. She was like, I'm going to max it. I mean, imagine if there was a but button. I feel like I should have that button where it's like, hit that button. We're going to max it. And she hits the button. <laughs> I'm animating this in my head because that's what it felt like when she's like, yeah, Lisa, I'm just going to go ahead and max it. And she goes in 50000 over asking. 50000 over asking. But here's what's interesting. In her situation, in her transaction, she hit the mark. Why? Because the property appraised at 550000 Now, that was October 2020. 20. Now, uh, fast forward, that property is worth 150000 more than what she paid for it. My home alone moment. Could you imagine? Insane. So let's talk about a little bit about what happened. You had contingency, you have contingencies, and you had waiver of those contingencies because again, we're talking about this generation here who is regretting, right? Regretting 82%. That's a lot. That's that is a lot in comparison to um, in terms of the baby boomer generation. Only 24% regretted their purchase. So 24% buyer's remorse in comparison to millennials today, 82%. And this is done based on a survey of a thousand homeowners that said, uh, yeah, you know, I do regret um, not having the opportunity to really do my due diligence inspection, uh, overpaying and seeing that the area is not appreciating as quickly as they thought right or they believed everyone felt like oh don't worry you're going to recoup it which is why i have this discussion with my buyer clients that what is your game plan what's the exit strategy how long do you plan on living here you know are schools important commute important right uh can you work from home because in terms of real estate and depending on what type of loan you get so some if you were using down payment assistance if you were using an fha loan if you were using a conventional loan it's important to know what the stipulations are regarding um sur surrounding your loan for fha buyers you've got to be there for um if i'm not mistaken it's three years right conventional you can get in and you can move and you can buy something else and rent out that property but depending what type of loan you are it's not going to be as easy just to pick up and go because real estate is not like buying a pair of shoes you don't get to return them because it's not a good fit or you don't like the style it doesn't work out for you that's not how that works so you have your main contingencies your inspection contingency your loan contingency your appraisal contingency and what we've seen and uh <laughs> there are strategies right so even if you waive them there are ways that you can still cancel out of a transaction uh by using some other method and these are things that sellers and uh sellers agents and buyers agents need to be aware of and in, in fact california recently revised revised their contracts their purchase contracts because they've noticed just kind of what was happening in terms of how people were writing offer terms and thought that 
uh, it would make it more attractive for a seller to accept the offer. So let's talk about a couple of these. We have waiver inspections, which can increase the risk, not just for the buyers, but also the sellers as well for any undisclosed issues. So the best defense for a seller, now listen to this. Now, if you're a seller, you say, oh, this is wonderful. They waived your, their inspection. So I, woo, I don't have to worry about that issue, you know, with that leak or with, with the electrical or, you know, there's a hole over there or the foundation shot, woo, just in case, right? No. In fact, you increase your risk because by allowing the buyer X amount of days to do their inspections, right? So give them a, a period and depending on the transaction, right? So of course we all say as is, and I love it. Some of my seller clients ask me, what exactly does as is mean? And what they're concerned about most is that if they're selling their property as is, they don't want someone asking them to fix things, right? And that's fine for you as a buyer, if you're a buyer and you're coming across that and you find you do during your, you find during your due diligence inspection period that there are some issues that need to be addressed, then you can ask for repair credits. The seller says, I'm not fixing anything, then that's fine. You can ask for repair credits based on your findings. Now, here's the thing you've got to understand. In our industry, we call those repair, that, that request for repairs, a wish list. Yes, it's a wish list. Why? Because first and foremost, listen up, the seller does not have to even acknowledge your request, nor do they have to comply with your request for repairs. Now, depending on what type of loan you have, you may have what is called lender required repairs, depending on how your offer was written and how the counter was submitted, meaning the seller's counter to your, your offer as it relates to lender required repairs. And I wrote a book about this called Just Fell Out of Escrow, The Top Five Reasons a Property Does Not Sell. And I talk about these various uh, inspections and repairs because not only do you have your general inspection, you have specialty inspections, you have city inspections and pre-sale inspections. Right, so there are various type of, types of inspections that come up. Why? Because essentially this is one of the largest investments any buyer is going to make. And I wanna point this out too, because even for those of you who either purchased or thinking about purchasing uh, and you were waiving inspection contingencies because you're like, well, it's okay, I'm experienced. I have a team, my most experienced investors who have been doing this for 30 years. My most experienced transaction, um, or excuse me, uh, uh, clients who have 10,000 transactions under their belt, if not more, right? That's them just doing this. This is what they do full time. They will not waive an inspection. They will not waive an inspection. Why? Because it's one of the opportunities they have to know what they're getting themselves into. So again, that's why this key, there's a key phrase in our business about do your due diligence. Don't let me lie to you is what I, what I say. Don't let Lisa lie to you. Don't let me lie to you. Do your due diligence. So then there's the other aspect of waivers of loan contingency. Now this puts your buyer's deposit at risk. That thing called EMD, your earnest money deposit. 
it will put you on the hook, right? Because essentially when you waive your loan contingency, you are essentially saying, I don't, I don't need to depend on a loan to buy this house. That means you're either going to find some alternative means, which means a private money, hard money, or cash purchase. So either you're liquid or you have some alternative means of getting it, meaning you are not, uh, your offer is not conditioned to you getting a loan. And see, most people don't realize when you write loan terms in your purchase contract, meaning the interest rate you are uh, seeking, that's a that's an offer term or a finance term. The interest rate, how many points you pay, what type of loan. So is it a continue, excuse me, is it a conventional loan? Is it an, is it an FHA loan? Does it include down payment assistance? Those are all things that are embedded in the offer terms. And essentially, if you submit the offer and it gets a, a accepted with a loan contingency, you're saying that these are the terms I'm seeking. So if I wrote in my offer that I'm looking to get a loan with a three and a half percent interest rate and you see today rates are at four percent that means if you can't get 3.5 you are not on the hook for purchasing that property because you said I was seeking to purchase this property based on a three and a half percent loan see how that works so again you don't want to put your your money your deposit at risk the other aspect of that is the waiver of appraisal contingency. The appraisal contingency says if you have a loan, usually they can go together or sometimes uh, they are just included separately. For instance, if you are purchasing cash, you may say, I'll pay this much as long as it appraises at this value, right? At minimum, my offer, my, my contract price. If I'm paying 500000 this property's got to appraise at 500000 or more, right? And so what we've seen, people are waiving the appraisal contingency. What happens when you waive the appraisal contingency? Well, you're on the hook for paying the difference. It doesn't mean that you don't get an appraisal, right? What contingencies mean mean that your offer is on condition of these items, meaning on condition of the appraisal coming up to value. You can still get an appraisal just for your knowledge to know what it's appraised at. Now, if you have a loan that's in there and you have a loan contingency, but you waive your appraisal contingency, what you are communicating to the seller is that you are willing to purchase this property regardless of what it appraises for. So that means to you and your lender, you are going to pay the difference between the contract price and the appraised value. Let's say you your contract price is 500,000, the property appraises at 450,000, meaning you've overbid by $50,000. You're on the hook to pay the difference. Got it? That's how that works. Again, I want to reiterate, it doesn't mean that you can't get an inspection. It just means that you can't use the inspection contingency as a means to cancel out of the contract, to cancel out of the deal. You could still do your inspections, but again, you can't say, well, I found out that it's going to cost me thousands of dollars to do X, Y, Z, and that exceeds the budget that I had planned for purchasing this property. 
if you waive your inspection contingency, that will not be a grounds for you to cancel that transaction. Now, if you have a loan contingency, even if you don't, uh, you waive your loan contingency, that doesn't mean you can't get a loan. It just means that whether you get a loan or not is, it is not going to be a valid contractual reason for you to cancel. See, and I have to say contractual, valid, these are legal, this is legal and binding things, right? You are you are providing terms. If it's accepted, it's your responsibility to execute on those terms. Very, very important. Same with the appraisal. If you waive your appraisal contingency, you're saying, I'm still willing to buy it, even if it doesn't appraise at what I'm paying for, what, what I'm buying it for, right? So let's talk about what does that mean for market forecasts? Well, there's a couple things as I'm reading with the news lately, and this is from uh, what the real estate groups and companies are saying, what the online real estate platforms are saying, and what um, <clears throat> housing market in terms of mortgages I've been following. And, and for those of you who really like this information, you should subscribe to Housing Wire, one of my favorites, because I like to follow the money. You know, tell me what's going on with the money. And so right now I've noticed uh, they are talking about mortgage applications have dropped the lowest in the last two years. So why is that? A couple things we see happening. I would expect we're in the first quarter and there have been a group. So there's a there's a philosophy or there's this thought that one of two things. So one, we've got buyer fatigue. So the 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 buyers that have been outbid, they're just burnt out. And so they're sitting out. Then there's the other group, there's the other aspect that there's this uptick in interest rates that is now creating a lower purchasing power for those buyers, which means if the market is still high and interest rates have gone up, that means your buying power has come down, right? It's coming down, which means you are no longer in this market to be considered. So that's one aspect of it. So what we'll start to see is that sellers who are who were highly ambitious in pricing are going to have to be very mindful and strategic in pricing their property well, right? So don't just price your property if you're a seller, potential seller, um, looking to market your property to maximize your current equity position. Then what you'd be thinking about is, hey, not trying to see, you know, if I listed at this, if if I marketed at this price then let's see what happens. No, let's not see what happens. Let's be strategic about it. Let's see, can we get eyes on the property? Let's get people excited about the potential of purchasing your property. Because again, it's about maximizing your equity possession, position. It's not about being a speculative, speculative person in this current market, especially as we're watching it shift. Uh, so we have rising interest rates is another thing. Like I said, so we're now seeing it inch up to 4%. And of course, you can still get three and a half percent. And I just met with a client and we were I was consulting with her different strategies and ways. And I'll share this with you. So if you do get if you negotiate. Right. And so interest rates are four percent. Talk with your lender about what it would cost to buy down the rate. That way you're not chasing uh, rates six months from now, eight months from now, 10 months from now, 12 months from now, as the rates, you know, rates change daily. So instead of hoping and expecting rates to drop and then you're going to refinance at that time, 
let's be strategic about finding out what would it cost to buy the rate down because then you can ask your agent right your real estate professional to negotiate closing costs in your favor as a closing cost credit and then you can use that money to buy the rate down apply it towards a rate buy down if you're deciding to put 20%, maybe decide on 15, 10 to 15% as opposed to putting entire 20% down and then shuffling, right, or shifting that money over and buying the rate down. You're, if you have a great lender partner, mortgage broker, mortgage banker, these are questions you can ask them to run the numbers. I have not met any investor who didn't pause and say, Great, Lisa, let me run the numbers. I send them a property. They ask me what I think I can potentially market uh, that property for, and they run the numbers. So I'm imploring you, connect with your lender professionals, your bankers, your mortgage, uh, your mortgage consultants, and ask them to run those numbers and find out what the break-even point is, right? So if it costs you X thousands, right, $1,500 to buy the rate down or $3,200 to buy the rate down, you know, at what point do you break even, right, in recouping that, recouping that? So those are all great strategic loan planning and that comes with great lenders, right? So it's not just, you know, applying online and seeing what you qualify for. There's a lot more that goes into your financing than most people allow. And so those are aspects that I want to share with you because I do share that with my clients when they're thinking, oh, I just want to, you know, I want to do 20%. I don't want to have a high mortgage payment. Well, let's be strategic about what we're doing with that money, right? I can argue and say, uh, I can say uh, we can ask for closing cost credits and use some of that money to buy down your interest rate so that you not only have a comfortable mortgage payment, but you do keep more money in your pocket, right? Because there's this thing. How do we avoid the remorse aspect? Something goes wrong, it's on you. So look out for those capital expenditures, right? Those are the big ticket items. Having to replace a roof, the plumbing, the electrical, the foundation. Those are all critical, right, for you to decide whether this is a good investment or not. And then the next thing we see happening right now is this pandemic phase. We are shifting to an endemic. Here in LA County, we're now shifting to endemic. So it's like, is this helping? Is this not helping? This the the politicians, right, the Department of Health, they're all trying to figure out where's the fine balance with opening up in time so we can protect and preserve our businesses, right, keep things going because we're still trying to recover from the sudden stop like what the heck just happened because a lot of businesses did not open. So if we have a lot of businesses that did not open, how many of those actually own property that were relying on the income from those businesses, right? That was coming from the revenue uh, of consumers and clients coming to patronize their business. So as we're shifting, the question is, are we opening up too early? Are we ready to fully open? Are we ready to go into this? So that's what has our market in this, you know, is it ready, is it time? And then at the same time, I have uh, seller clients who are, again, looking to maximize their equity position because they're looking at these prices and they're like, oh my gosh, I can finally now, you know, upgrade to that property that I want, or I can move to that city or to that neighborhood or to that community that I've always wanted to because I have more equity to do so. But on the flip side, 
also realize this, right? For you, you potential uh, seller clients who are looking to market your properties in this current phase is that just as you are looking to maximize your equity position, you will on your replacement property will be purchasing also in that relatively high market as well. You're selling high, which means you'll likely be purchasing high as well. Okay, some things to consider. And then overall, we still have this shortage inventory right in both the resale so that means in existing homes there's still in fact it, it dropped dramatically of how many resale homes or existing homes have been put on the market and then even in the new construction side so kudos to those of you who decided that I'm not going to deal with bidding wars I'm just going to go new construction I get to build my house from ground up awesome kudos to you but also be mindful of where you're purchasing right and be and and be involved of the politics and um, attend the council meetings to find out what are the plans for the city because it's one thing to get into new construction and jump into an area that's likely not gonna not gonna grow for the next 10 to 15 years will you be able to hold out for the next 10 to 15 years for that community to grow in some areas have we seen that there were big hopes and plans and dreams for areas to grow and guess what they never grew right those properties still didn't appreciate and still don't appreciate as much as other areas and communities so my my tip to you is how to find out what's going on you want to ask your real estate professional what are the plans for this city what are the plans for this community how does it tie into the bigger picture who is moving into these areas right who are the expats meaning what states are they coming from what are their jobs what are the industries because before you jump in and make this large financial decision and say cool cool I'm a homeowner it'll kick you in the butt what 30 days 60 90 days from now and realize that you purchased in an area that's not appreciating you are uh, not anticipating your job uh, growth right they're deciding to either downsize as I'm seeing with some companies they are downsizing across the country um, and and job and job stability right so I'm not here to be negative ninny but I want you to make sure that you are being strategic that you are doing your due diligence and you know that phrase of caveat emptor right is making sure you are doing your due diligence and you are finding out the information I always like to say uh, find people that will be willing to volunteer volunteer this information that will connect with you uh, that will give you information that you were not privy to that's how you know someone is representing your interests first and foremost over their own all right with that I say if you don't have any comments feedback or question or you want to send it to me personally make sure you send me an email at lisa at lasuperagent.com and for for those of you who uh, did jump into home ownership this year make sure you grab this guide it's the homeowner's guide to success provided by the CFPB that's the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau they're the watchdog essentially over the industry which is great and that's why I like to uh, I reach out they've got a great website great information but for those of you who are just jumping into home ownership get your homeowner's guide to success 
send me an email to lisa at lasuperagent.com. Again, that's lisa at lasuperagent.com. Ebony, you are so welcome. Thanks for chiming in and make sure you share and uh, share the love. Let somebody know and just get those tips that we shared today. Be sure to hashtag replay and guess what? We'll see you next week. Another information packed episode of Ready, Set, Real Estate. All right. Take care. Bye.